guys can have a seat. Today is a holy day. And for centuries, that's what it was referred to, was as Holy Friday. But collectively, we came to the conclusion that today is indeed a good day, despite the fact that today is uh, a mournful or sad day. We do not gleefully greet one another on this Friday with Happy Good Friday, and yet we call it good. It is a somber day. It's a conclusion to a somber season that every year we as the church walk through and journey through. And this year, in many ways, it is a collective end or kind of transition season to a difficult and somber year. For many of us that find ourselves in this space, COVID, racial injustice, political tension, we've found ourselves uneasy. Lent seemed natural. In fact, for a lot of us, I heard this more than once inside and outside of Mosaic, we found ourselves maybe not even wanting to, to observe Lent because the pain was already too much. The difficulty was already too much. And that is just societally. We don't even think about what it is that we personally have lost and grieved in this last year. And on a day like today, we kind of come to that culmination. We come to this day on Good Friday. We come to this moment to sit at the cross. Here at Mosaic, we've been journeying through the Lenten season. Every Sunday morning, we've chose to sit at the cross and to reflect on what it means that the cross is at the centrality of our life. But far beyond that, the church worldwide, collectively, for generation after generation, has chose on this day to come and sit at the foot of the cross. But we do so differently today than we do on a normal Sunday. On a day like today, we come to the cross and we sit and we remember what it is that happened there, but we hold off on all the victorious bits that we love to cling to. For believers across the world, what we do each Good Friday and Holy Weekend is we sit at the cross and, and we almost go through a dramatic rehearsal of imagination and remembering. We come today to engage our imaginations in a way that we as human beings are rightfully hesitant to do so. We imagine today a world without Jesus. For the next 36 hours or so, we will sort of dramatize this in our minds and in our hearts, what it would be like to have the cross without resurrection. We attempt to sit in that tension and in that pain. We imagine what it would be like to have a Friday without the Sunday coming. We imagine what it is like to sit in this pain. And we do so for reasons that draw us near. It's a practice for so many of our faithful brothers and sisters that have set in pain that has had no answer. But the second thing we do today is we come individually and collectively to grapple with and to realize or recall that humanity in this moment if we're honest with ourselves long enough, we admit to and recognize that we had a chance to be near to God, devastatingly near and close, despite the questions we 
always ask of where are you, God? We had the opportunity to draw near to him. And instead of allowing that truth and that presence to overwhelm him, we chose to reject him. We chose to kill God when he came to be with us. Our final verse in these seven sermons that we're preaching on the words from the cross is Luke 23, 46 that was just read before I stood up here this, this evening. Jesus cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's a comfort that we glean from these words. So much so that we are challenged as believers to, to hold on to these words so that fateful day that we too stare death in its eyes, that we can say alongside of Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But for many of us, far before we ever reach that step, before we ever find ourselves on the precipice of the other side, we will find ourselves staring a thousand other deaths right in the eye. The death of dreams, relationships, friendships, desires, longings, hopes. I'm reminded of the words of David Foster Wallace. He talks about the pursuits of our lives. And he says, we will die a million deaths before they finally plant your body in the ground. We can't miss the icy cold silence that follows the words of Jesus committing his life and spirit to God. The comfort that these words bring cannot overshadow what happens in the moments of stillness and darkness that come next. Jesus utters these words in our gospel narrative and he is dead. The real and specific Jesus the one that walked the earth, Messiah and King, dead. A real death, a specific death. One that for the next 36 hours, if what John says earlier in his gospel remains true, a death that hides God from his very creation, that hides God from humanity on the cross. But Jesus does not die at the hands of of us, though it is we who nail him there and crucify him. John makes, or Luke makes clear in his passage that what we see in Jesus is doing what only Jesus can do, freely submitting his life to death. Jesus' death in this moment should not have surprised the disciples, but what does take them aback, what does shock them, is the manner and the way in which he dies. He chooses to die. But this is not a divine or cosmic suicide. Je Jesus is freely giving up his life into our hands, into a machine of punishment that was of our own making, and he freely goes there. And he takes back what death thinks it has taken from him, and he says, that is not yours to take, but it is mine to give, and I will do so. Jesus gives what only he can give, and he gives to God who only can receive what he is giving. This challenges our very notion of God. We sit before the cross, and we are forced to rethink and reimagine everything that we thought we knew about who God was. Far too often, God in our mind 
and this is the best way to determine if it's an idol or the God of Scripture, is that God in our mind is something of our own making, something of a, the ideal version of ourself. But very few of us would choose this path for ourselves. Few of us would choose this path for some of our worst enemies. To die innocently at the hands of evil and violence that you had nothing to do with. And yet, this is what Jesus does. And in the same time as he commits himself to the Father, and he gives his spirit over to him, the Father in Jesus is committing himself to us. I think it's easy for us to think that it's just Jesus there, but on the cross we see the full Trinity there, anguishing alongside of Jesus, and we see the completion of what is happening that Kyle preached about on Sunday. The meaning, the purpose, the direction, the telos of Jesus' ministry. What God had always intended to, to, to create and to have in Genesis 1. In the cross, the Father's desire for humanity, Jesus' mission and purpose, the Spirit filling Him and holding them together. It's all on display. And we see on the cross, Jesus is pursuing us more than we could ever run from Him. He pursues us to hell and back. And when we come to this place and as we sit before the cross, it brings us to a place of decision. We're brought to a place where we're forced to commit or walk away. To stay at the foot despite all the darkness and hopelessness. Or to go instead to pursue the things that we thought would be better for us to begin with. We're brought to a place where we are given the choice to follow Jesus and utter the words that he found in Luke 23, or do we continue to pursue the God that we would rather have? We can attempt to preserve what we think we know or what we think we want, or instead of trying to preserve ourselves by ourselves, we can die like Jesus committing and commending ourselves to the Lord and the giver of life. The moment of Jesus on the cross is not a moment of defeat or kind of throwing up his hands and saying, well, I guess I can't do anything else. It's a moment of commitment. It's a moment of consecration that he's saying, here is my life, Lord, take it. It's yours. It was never mine to begin with. And we are offered the same opportunity to give our lives to the Lord in the face of those thousands of little deaths that we may find ourselves encountering. So we end our Good Friday service tonight in silence. And in many ways, we end a Good Friday service without being able to, like, tangi- to, to, to grasp hold of hope to be able to hold on to it. We end in darkness. And we sit in it. And it brings us to something that you could call a liminal space, an in-between space. A space where one old way of being and existing is falling apart. And a whole new way of living and being is just around the corner. The question, though, is as you find yourself, maybe as the Jews did standing at the Red Sea, 
nowhere to run, nowhere to go, no hope, no visible way out. Do you try to go back to where you came from to hold on to what you thought you knew or do you say the words that Jesus said? I think for a lot of us this year as we enter into this liminal space of Holy Saturday and Good Friday, as we find ourselves looking into a hopeless and dark situation, some of us may find ourselves here this, this evening saying to themselves that they maybe weren't able to feel what they thought they were supposed to feel in Lent. They maybe weren't able to draw near to God the way they thought they were supposed to draw near. They're not feeling the excitement or the passion. The tears are removed. God feels distant and far off. He feels lost. He, his movements are unable to be seen. It seems as though he is far away. All seems lost and hopeless, and there seems to be no way out. Maybe it's because of what the past year has brought us, or maybe it's simply just good old-fashioned doubt and cynicism that's crept its way in as it does into most believers' life at some point. For whatever reason, if you find yourself there this evening, I say to you that Good Friday is for you more than anyone or any time. For it is in Good Friday that we stare hopelessness in the eyes, death and darkness, and we follow Jesus into it. And in doing so, we say to God, I commit my life and my spirit unto you. So it is here that we can embrace the space of unknowing. It is here that we simply say we cannot make a way. There must be a way maker. It is here that we say that we've given everything that we have and anything that we do will result in nothing. And we commit to the Lord. We give ourselves over to God and we wait. And with the disciples, we practice this next 36 hours of waiting in darkness and despair. We sit and we recognize that we are here, we are caught up in this day and this story that is so cosmic and so tragic that only God himself will know the ending. For our story tonight, we know it's three days that we must wait for God to reveal it to us. For many of us, that may go longer in the death and the darkness we stare in our lives, but what we know is that we can wait and that we can give our lives to the one that is good. So I invite you on this Good Friday to utter those words of Luke that he put on Jesus' lips and to say, Father, I commit my life to you. And we wait in stillness, in silence, and in darkness. We wait.